Hey. 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 Hey, Django. Hey. Hey, Django. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Roman. Uh, hey, Jeff. You guys Probably Jeff's talking to you. You guys want to do a podcast? <laughs> I love podcasting. Let's do it. Let's do a pod. Let's do a pod. Hey, oh, Roman. Jeff, Jeff. It? I meant I meant to send oh, I'll have to do uh-huh. it some other time. I meant to send you this uh-huh. link because uh-huh. last night I forget how I went down this uh-huh. rabbit hole, a bear hole. But uh-huh. I was I was that sounds good. <laughs> um, sure does. There's there used to be a whole bear cults because I was oh I was reading God. about berserkers. Something made me look up berserker. Oh my lord. They come from the bear cult. Bear cults. <laughs> we gotta bring it back. Sounds, we've already kind of done that at my house. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Don't you have like 15 bears an hour or something? Bear cult. <laughs> It's a barracle. Um, hey guys, should we should we kick it off? <laughs> oh, John Go. Oh, John Go. Man, oh man, oh man. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Man, oh man, oh man of war. Yeah. Nice, dude. podcast new direct what's this thing called i don't know uh um, fresh boners ew fresh bones new direction yeah we should be calling it fresh bones a podcast about grave diggers Roll the fresh bones um <laughs> uh fresh welcome to fresh bones season three <laughs> episode three it's a it's a couple of grave diggers who have some bodies to find and when we bring it back up it'll fetch a good price that's what we do <laughs> and i'm jeff i'm isis i'm oberon sexton the grave digger that's good hey oberon you have a little bit of dirt on your shoes i don't think that oh. you quite got cleaned out after we uh exhumed that body not long ago tisk i'm getting careless in my old age i made hey. dirt on his shoes you made dirt on his shoes i found this body <laughs> I, I, I found this i found this body <laughs> You guessed it. It's a comic book podcast where we dig up fresh bones. And those fresh bones are thoughts, ideas, takes, opinions, facts. <laughs> and we're going to talk about those takes here. None of them will be the Batman, which Django and I spent 25 minutes talking about our opinions of before we started recording the podcast. I would say that I wouldn't tease it and call it the bowel movement like some people would based on the initialism that it has. Hmm. Um. So... So, so that was good. Um, I forget. Is this the one where you pretend you like my jokes, or is that was season two? That was oh, season two. Shit, I would have. I would. I, I should have saved that one for back then. Can I tell you what my stance at this point is? Ambivalence. So, yeah, I don't hate him, yeah. but I don't. <laughs> I don't think about him at all, really. Um, sounds like sounds like all my girlfriends. Yeah, Jeff, I see a book in your hands, and it's not a comic book. What is that? Oh, it's my journal. <laughs> this is a this is a podcast about comic books. Run by what was the old intro? Run by three professionals. <laughs> Run by three consummate professionals. Um, we studied dirt podcasting, making. dirt making, and comic books when the three of us met in Yale. Uh, Roman and I were both in the same undergrad program, law, and, and I was just going as an underground student. Like they thought I was a janitor, I was learning. What I was super impressed was that you spent 
nigh on an entire month pretending to be the professor of our class and no one realized it. So Roman, did we ever find out what he did with the professor? I don't think so. I, I, well, he had our suspicions. I, I think he's still buried in a janitor closet deep in the bowels of Yale. We got to find those bones, some fresh bones. Yep. Skull and bones. They can help us. Mm. Tell you what I did with him. Mm-hmm. I gave him directions to the wrong school on day one. Oh, took over his class. Oh, nice. That's yeah. way less violent than what I assumed. You know, sometimes <laughs> there's an elegant solution to even taking over someone's college class as their teacher when you're really not even allowed in the building. Yeah, well, and you're definitely not allowed in the building anymore because the reason we all got together was because he definitely seduced his students in the form of Roman and I. Yeah. Um, put us on a put us on the back of a horse, set out to the east, and we've just sort of been traveling ever since. Um. I don't like this one either. Um, I can call you my mystical child. What about uh, like the Calico Kitten Club, where we have a bunch <laughs> of patchwork ideas that we want to paint for you, but each one of our personalities and ideas is a different color, like a Calico I like, Cat. I like licking cows. So we're going to talk about killing Batman killing time number one this week. We're also going to talk about duel number one. We're going to talk about strange number one. We're going to talk about Dark Knights of Steel number five. And we're talking about crossover number 12. Um, but before we get into that, before we get into that, and that's right, if you're if you're feeling like, hey, they're really searching for a mood today, we are because we're mood hunters. We're mood casting hunters about. casting about. We don't take lightly that you are choosing to spend your time with us. And so we want to make sure that it is as comfortable as possible. This week we have an email from the stalwart himself. Well, well, Welmer, so happy to hear from you, Mr. Welmer, because we didn't have you last week when we did our special Comics Pro episode with our specialist friend Brian Garside, who's amazing. Happy episode 260. Yep, I'm sticking with Legacy. I really enjoy the spirited and spicy discussion about covers two weeks ago. The origins of that question came from a discussion with a friend of the show, Andrew Carlson, regarding the cover of our next book club book, Daphne Byrne, which has a cover that doesn't do a lot to sell you on the book. But despite the cover, the book is worth still worth the read. March just so happens to be Women's History Month, and so far this year, the book club has been focusing on books from female creators. We have read Bitch Planet, Maneaters, Breaking Glass, and now Daphne Byrne. So my question for the week, what are your favorite comics or graphic novels from female creators? Lots of love, Will. Dark Knight Returns, colored by Lynn Varley. Lynn Varley. Um, I really like uh, Rainbow Rowell's Runaways. And she even did She-Hulk <laughs> this week. Um, <clears throat> Roman and I used to read Lumberjanes and really enjoyed that. Um, yep, yep. Gosh, there's probably many, but I frankly... I sec- yeah, I second Runaways. Um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the writer, but she wrote Unstoppable Wasp for Marvel a while ago. Um, Jeremy Whitley? <laughs> that, was a, that was a dude that wrote that? Damn it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, how about... <coughs> Hellcat, who wrote that? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a tricky question, Will, because there's not, sadly, there's not a tremendous number of female comic creators. That being said, I also, because I'm a dude and am generally privileged by being a dude and not needing to think about it, I, I don't think about the gender of the creators and things that often probably because I haven't had to worry about needing to find people of my same gender to be doing things. So it's not a thing I've had to look for. So it's the thing I don't super pay attention to. Um, But there are definitely female artists that jump to mind as well. Roman, you just owed. Uh, Yeah, I just, well, I just remembered the the one I'm currently reading, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, Sophie Campbell. Yeah, we all jumped onto that when she took over. 
In yep. fact, I yelled at IDW about how amazing that was. Yeah. And particularly Sophie's role in that. So yeah. Um, and then she did Wet Moon as well. But Sophie Campbell, hmm. she's writing and drawing every other arc of that Teenage Mutant Turtle book and writing all of it. That I would say that's probably, I totally agree, Roman, of the last like two years, uh, yeah. a female writer that has really re- risen in the ranks for me. My, you know, my go-to is clearly Breaking Glass, the Harley Quinn mm-hmm. story. Um, I will tell you that when I was younger, I would say probably not a kid because that implies really young, but the first time I was really paying attention to artists, uh, I, uh, Louise Simonson was mm-hmm. on my radar as a mm-hmm. comic book creator. And I assume that Louise Simonson was a dude because everybody in comics was a dude. I like, I was, I was about 40 something when I found out that Louise Simonson is Walt Simonson's wife. It just never even occurred to me until then, which is, uh, you know, should, should give you an indication of where comics were versus where they are now. Yeah. 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 I mean, got to shout out Fiona Staples is great art um, in terms of like artists. Uh, I really like Amanda Connors yep. covers. I like her covers more than I like her inside pages, but that's because the covers are all very clever sort of one shot cartoon. Yeah. yeah. I think the first female comic artist I was aware of was Ramota Fraden because mm-hmm. she did a bunch of plastic man art mm-hmm. on his series in the seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I need to piggyback off of that. Will, thanks for that great question two weeks ago about covers. Uh, Django and I have been kind of returning to the She-Hulk cover conversation for quite a while now. And (laughs) while I do not agree with anything Django says ever, (laughs) I will say that I have not read She-Hulk number two yet. So you're probably right. (laughs) And I did, Jeff. It didn't get me. Hey, I didn't read that book. And I can't tell you why, but it could be because the cover didn't make me want to do it. So I'll tell you what, I, she doesn't sit around in a business suit at any point in this issue. I'll tell you what, bathrobe the whole time. I will disagree with you and I feel like I need to disagree. Um, and I will try to own it when I when I maybe made a mistake. And I'm not saying necessarily I made a mistake, but I'm saying I didn't read that book. So maybe you're right. That's the difference between us. I'll never apologize like you just did. <laughs> well, sorry, I wouldn't even hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke because i did hear him i just don't fucking care you make me think of farts when you talk <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> hey guys let's get into this book this week batman killing time tom king david marquez talk about a pretty gorgeous book and tom king so it was uh written well as well um you know to me this feel, felt like a book that came out it takes place on March 4th, which is the day the Batman came out and it has a cast of characters very similar to the movie, the Batman just being released. So it, uh, oftentimes these companies will have a book come out. That's a good jumping on point for people who maybe just saw the movie. And that's what this one feels like. I'm curious. What did you guys think of this Batman Tom King book? I thought it had a lot of words. It had a lot of words. Yeah. It, it stopped me from starting, but it didn't stop me from going, if that makes sense. No, it it totally does. And I I made sure to read it right after watching The Batman on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And because I was trying to carry that enthusiasm. But yeah, you were like, well, it is only six issues, like right before you had read it. And you're like, it's only six issues. Maybe he's just trying to scr- squish a lot of dialogue. And I was like, there's like pages that are like journal entry narration and long poetry, like, you know, like he's- next to each other. He's doing a thing, though. He's bouncing around in time, and he's telling us that he's doing it, which is a nice, refreshing Tom <laughs> for King him. move. Yeah. Like, it's almost like DC said, okay, we really want you to do this. Oh, wait, normies might buy this. Can you make it so that they don't have to have a degree in comic books to know when this is when each page is happening? They don't have to analyze subtle differences <clears throat> in ca- characters' costumes to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. 
Um, and I thought I thought it was really well done. The the way that the story's told and the way that the information is doled out kind of in now and then jumping backwards and, and going back and forth over and over and over seems like uh seems like a, a fun way to tell this story it also kind of seems like it takes place in batman's career it's sort of a similar time to that movie right like this is catwoman pre batman catwoman stuff like she's still hanging out with baddies yeah yeah, yeah and well, gordon's still blonde <laughs> yeah well isn't this um like halfway through the issue i i it struck me that it, is this the story that in uh, is Batman this the Cat story Woman? of yeah in Batman Catwoman mm. where Riddler and her when they're old or get together in that diner and they're reminiscing about old times is hmm. this series one of those old times one of their would, shared adventures I would love if what this becomes it was somehow referenced in his like That's I would totally I believe like. yeah that Tom King does have sort of a map of events in the history of those characters in their lives. So I could totally mm-hmm. see this being one that, yeah, good, good call. Yeah. Roman. That didn't occur I, to me. I like to imagine that Tom King, at least in his head is doing the same thing. Grant Morrison did where he's like, you know, every Batman story I write anyway, yeah, all happens in a, in a chronology. <laughs> I think the art is really gorgeous and, you know, I don't, I didn't love it though. I, I mean, the art is gorgeous, but the story itself, like there's a lot going on. We jump between a lot of things. And so I think oftentimes with the Tom King book, I need like two issues. Mm-hmm. But I, what I would say is, is if this weren't Tom King, I don't know how much I would have liked the writing of this. Um, he's got that Grant Morrison, Jonathan Hickman thing for me, which is like, I, I take it and assume that it's going to be really good regardless of how I feel at the beginning. Yeah, and I think that pays off with his writing quite a bit for me. Yeah, me too. The, the yeah, I wish that the colors were a little bolder. Mm-hmm. The whole thing feels a little washed out and almost pastel. Yeah, you're right. It's a little throughout. kind of gray or ashen or something. You know, it's it's there is light and yellow at times, but it's all in this sort of gray, teal, black yeah, sphere. Like the, the decisions, even in brightly colored rooms, the decisions are a little bit muted washed out yeah is a good yeah um yeah good call but yeah the art the art's great i'm into the story but if it was written by like uh matthew uh, rosenberg i don't know that i would be excited for the next issue right because it because it did it did kind of have a rosenberg feel to me at one point that you're totally right and like especially like that joker puzzle box book you know or like multiple man like you can kind of like jump around in certain ways that aren't necessarily super interesting. Rowan, I'm curious what you thought about this thing. I loved it. This is my second highest rated book of the week. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the art. I wish this guy was the Batman artist on everything Batman now. Um, (laughs) That page where Batman's jumping off the building with the bat signal behind him. So good. Gorgeous. Um, And I love the fact that it was Tom King's story. I love the, it's not a police procedural, but it's kind of a criminal procedural (laughs) from the other side. I love the time demarcations partly because you know it's a tom king book i can i can understand on the first read through (laughs) um and i and i just ah i loved it all i mean the only tiny little thing i didn't like was i was like wait a minute killer croc was born this way he wasn't an accident but you know who cares that's just a little a little tiny little dumb yeah detail. i thought it was like a, a crazy manifestation of the human papilloma virus i think that was one of the origins but yeah no, really, it was always that was in the oh, arkham really? city arkham asylum arkham city games the journal entry oh. for the history of that character is that it's like a crazy mutation of hpv oh like, wow i like that hpv <laughs> yeah um huh. i like i liked the uh i thought of you jeff because there's a couple times they refer to streets in here and like the two first two streets they refer to are the names of the creators of killer croc Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. 
Yeah, Gene Colan and Jerry Conway. <laughs> I, I'm tired of it as well, but I also do always kind of like looking for the... I don't mind it in Gotham. I don't find it in Batman. Other comics, I'm, I'm more like, eh. But I don't know, somehow in Gotham, I don't mind that there's a Sprang Avenue and yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's the one place. I, I don't like seeing it in other places, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like this. I, I like this this whole setup and the action. And oh, at the end on the rooftop, it's got a, a great panel where Batman's behind over Jim's shoulder, but there's a little bit of ambient light from the bat signal too. That's mm-hmm. just a gorgeous panel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look up that <laughs> HPV thing and I'm not seeing anything. I wonder if I somehow just created that in my mind. I like that. That's his standard origin was that, oh, I, I forgot. He looked it up this afternoon. It was that it is a, uh, a, a biological condition that he started to change that way like in adolescence okay, okay. yeah can I, yeah can i tell you guys a fan theory that i heard on probably on another podcast this week yeah that the penguin in the second in batman returns the movie mm-hmm. is actually killer croc because he's like a mutated monster living in the sewers eating raw fish hmm. I like i, I like, like that, that. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, Jeff. No, no, I, I don't know where I was going. But Roman, I <laughs> I like that you dug this quite a bit. And I would say that I was really excited to watch the Batman and came out of it not disappointed, but maybe wanting it to have been a little bit better. And then I read this. So I maybe was sort of walking with a shadow over my like a bat shadow over my head while reading shadow this one. That. So I, I do think mm-hmm. it was good. Um, I would give it an 8.0, which is kind of low, but I would also give it an 8.0. And uh, I suspect that by the end, I'm going to be like 10 more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tom King. Yeah. God, I even like I even like this introduction of I don't know if it's introduction, but there's a kind of a femme fatale that uh Croc is trying to to woo unsuccessfully. Yeah. I gave it a 9.5. <clears throat> Hell yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. That makes me want to give it another read through, frankly, because um makes me feel like I've set I've aside some time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was <laughs> dense. Um well next I want to talk about Duel number one. This is from Bliss on Tap Publishing. This is very exciting for me personally because because it's a great movie. Is, yeah, yeah, the truck one, right? Yeah, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, um, this is written by Curtis Martins with art by Alex McCormick. And if you have been following along closely at home, you will know that Alex McCormick, one of the co-creators of Rodabons, and Cicero's, mm-hmm. and that is one two of Django's favorite books of all time. Um, he made in his picks of the year. Ropes, That's crimson cage. Yeah, yeah, crimson cage. cage, cage, the crimson cage. Um, so, so I was excited to be able to get in on this one. And uh, Django, what did you think about this as a Rota Bone Spurt? I like. Did you say Rota Bones Vert? No, Bone Spurt, like uh, bone, expert, like a right. Rota okay. Bone Expert. Okay, a Bone Spur. Uh, we're really spending too much time on the stupid thing that I said I think we should move on and just realize that I say a lot of stupid things Uh, the art did not disappoint I really like this guy's the way he goes about drawing things Um, and the writing was better than I expected from a super indie book and someone that I've never never been exposed to basically it follows uh, a world where you can join a game called duel and you challenge people to uh, murder each other and this young kid challenges the top ranked dueler in the world and there's cops trying to catch him. Yeah, just it, it, there's actually a lot going on in this with a lot of different characters and different points of view on this weird situation that this kid is in. And uh, I, I thought it was really well executed. No pun intended. 
That was funny. You're welcome, bro. I I also really liked it. I, I totally agree with you. There's a lot going on in it. The world is well built. It's not mm-hmm. cr- incredibly far off from our own, but it's got like right. one or two large scale technological developments that have happened to kind of put it on a different route. I think the, the mystery of it is really interesting. You don't really know what mm-hmm. the series is going to be at the beginning. This, you know, this kid has challenged the number one duelist and people are like, is it even him? And he's like, no, it wasn't me. Someone's using my name, but now this guy's going to be hunting me down. So like, and like the, the cops are still trying to figure out how legal this game is. And I guess it's like technically legal, but this would be like an adult man killing a junior high student. So they're actually, that's mm-hmm. why cops are getting involved. Cause they're like, well, that's, that's not fair. And, um, and it, it's just really interesting. It asks a lot of interesting questions. And then a cool thing happens near the end that I'm not sure how many people are going to get this or find it, but I really like the way that it ended. Yeah. And there's a little twist there and there's going to be another issue. Oh, is there? That's that's good. I, I would read more, but it could also end here and, and it wouldn't be the end of the world. For sure. Yeah. Uh, the next one says dual in a senior community. Nice. And it's got old people in a senior home. So nice. like that, it's just a, an interesting, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of like crowded in the way that that world was mm-hmm. well built. And there was that kind of technology to be hiring people to kill people or Red Room, but this is different. I thought um, that the opening scene had like Quentin Tarantino vibes to me. Yeah. And really, really well executed uh, action sequence. Was that one a pun? Uh-huh. No, but you can have it, Roman. Hey, um, <laughs> Django, while reading this, though, it gave me really similar feelings of when we were reading Hot Lunch Special. And we kind of all just called the shot that Jorge Fornes was a fantastic artist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this gave me that same feeling. Like you'd called that shot a while ago with this guy. But everything he does, the art is awesome. And it's really unique. And... Yeah. Um, just better than what I would think this publisher would be doing because it's literally a publisher I've never heard of. Yeah. So I, you know, it, I think all of this guy's art is worth tracking down and I wouldn't be surprised if in two years he's doing some like bigger Vertigo book or something. Well, if Vertigo existed. Yeah, I, I could see him being on some of the like outside of the core Marvel Universe books. I don't yeah. see him at DC unless it's a like with Tom King or Black Label uh, Black type Label of super story, violent but... or Constantine <clears throat> or something. But yeah, the lettering in here was interesting too. I don't know if you... I didn't. If you noticed that, but there's like... A lot of it's kind of standard, but then there's there's one scene where this guy is trying to break into a house. Oh yeah, the, the, the speech are bubbles are really way. interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's a good point. And and just all over, like the the way the hooks go is not standard. And it, I didn't get lost, but it stood out as something a little bit different. Yeah, the bubbling is is, <clears throat> is really interesting. Django, I'm really glad that I read this, and I think that if anybody is listening to this podcast and is just sort of interested in keeping up with unique creators and unique mm-hmm. comic books, I think this one um, exceeded my expectations on every single level. Uh, yeah. The art, the writing, the world, my level of interest, how well it was paced, uh, and I, I think the writer is worth looking into for future stuff, but I think the artist is as well, so I would encourage people. I don't think we have many of these, Django and I might have the only two copies. I don't know. We'll be, we'll be bringing them back to the store, but everyone should check out Duel Number One from Bliss on Tap, and then also a plug for Rota Bones, CF Cerros, Crimson Cage, Crimson and, Cage, and the other things as well. <laughs> the other things as well. Uh, what was your number for it, there, my lad? I'm gonna give it an eight and a half. I nice, it was really, really well done. I'm gonna go eight point five as well, but I'm gonna refer to it as a point five and feel a little bit more superior than you. <laughs> eight um, and a half. Eight and a half. I made dirt. <laughs> you like my dirt? I'm gonna make water. <laughs> I'm gonna make worm food. Um, on the topic of worm food, let's talk about Strange Number One. 
Oh, that's the comic that Roman and I read. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, written by Jed, Jed McKay with pencils by Marcelo Jed Ferreira, Ferreri, Ferreira and uh, Don Ho and Robert Poggy as Inker. This is a follow-up to The Death of Doctor Strange, also by Jed McKay, and follows Stephen's wife, who has been given the, the Sorcerer Supreme title by Stephen before he died again after being resurrected and then dying um and she's just kind of she, she wants to bring him back but she's also going through some adventures on the side including telling dr doom to take a hike when he comes by and is like hey i should be the sorcerer supreme she's like nah take off eh um well, she's not canadian she's from another planet another dimension but i think they talk like canadians on that planet we yeah, should but... we should ask brian garside who was a guest on our podcast last week if that's how they talk on her planet um and then she also has a little adventure in a harry potter world versus mercenaries with guns and it's super violent and super gory i really dug that uh, i was totally underwhelmed and confused by the last panel and i hope that roman can tell me about because someone gets resurrected i think it's thunderstrike but i have no context for thunderstrike he looks oh bitchin' rad like he came from 1992 yeah yeah it's that thunderstrike okay bitchin' rad thunderstrike yeah the 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 replacement thor oh okay i think i've seen those covers yeah with Um, with a cool guy jacket (laughs) yeah 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 which is all he's still got the shreds of it on there um Roman, what did I miss in here? Not being a, a strange head. Is that what they call you? A strange head? Um, they call us strange. They call us strangers of the night. Um, Readers supreme. <laughs> strange bedfellows. Um, I don't know. You know, it's funny. I I like having Clea back, but and I, and I understand. You know, when they bring back a character like this, uh, they're trying to appeal to a wider fan base and everything, draw new readers in. So she's not written like she used to be. I mean, she's much more kind of silly in this um she was always a more serious mystical character like at first when she answers the door and she's wearing the the cloak of levitation as a bathrobe i was like come on cleo wouldn't do that and she calls dr doom a haunted suit of armor yeah i thought that was kind of funny (laughs) me too (laughs) yeah I, i don't know i was torn on the art i didn't like a lot of it but then i did like some of it i don't know i didn't like the way the artist portrays Clea, but I did like the way he portrays Doom. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought that the the scene in the what is it the Shrouded Bazaar, the sh- yeah the Shrouded Bazaar, the yeah. kind of Harry Potter world with beings from all these dimensions. I thought that art was really good, just in general, like that that little bit of world. Yeah, there's got lots of good designs in here. I like the design of Clea's costume, which is kind of based on Steve Ditko's old design. Well, her purple costume when she's walking around the street. Mm-hmm. I also like her Doctor Strange costume. Um, I don't know. I didn't like how they changed Wong, where I was like, because Wong shows up in the morning and he's kind of hung over. I was like, Wong, Wong is one of those like almost stereotypical serious disciple of the Michael martial arts and everything. He doesn't drink. Right. They've made a point of that in previous Doctor Strange comics. Maybe it's pollute. a clue, Roman. He doesn't pollute his body. Maybe oh. he's been resurrected too. That could be. I like doesn't the Mister Party Hard in Shang Chi, the movie. He gets fucked up with them. I don't Does remember, he? but but yeah, yeah, but that's but that's the movies. That's well, not I mean, the I think that I think that the <laughs> comics are basically trying to ape the direction oh. the movies go a lot of the time but he like goes and parties uh, with yeah she and her friend his friend and then they do it again in the post credit scene yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i wish they wouldn't do that in the comics i cause... agree with you i agree <laughs> with you i hate when they drag it into it but i would say that that's probably why i do really like the mystical hand grenades that the the bad guys with the numbers on their heads use in this yeah those guys were cool i like the the way their masks were drawn kind of reminded me of gene colin uh when he was doing mm. the what was that that it wasn't house of mystery but it was it was like uh the night the night mystery group mm. uh 
Night, Night Force. Night, Night Force, yeah. Night Force, yeah, for DC. Yeah, I really like their masks. They they reminded me of Night Force in a couple panels. Yeah, yeah. God, it's um, so much better when Jeff's talking with us. <laughs> <laughs> they introduced this new villain, Harvestman, Harvestmaster, Harvestman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'll read the next one. There's things I don't like, but I'll I'll still read the next one, of course. She's brutal against those bad guys, like melting their faces yeah. and killing them by turning them into butterflies and stuff. Like, I do like that she's dark. I mean, because she's from the dark dimension. I think her father is or her uncle is Dormammu. Oh, okay. So yeah, she's okay. from a whole different culture than Stephen Strange. She doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and are you excited for the next issue because of like, are you super stoked and panting? For the next issue because of thunderstrike no not necessarily <laughs> i mean that was a that was a big surprise i was like wow thunderstrike there's a interesting poll <laughs> that's a name i haven't heard in a long long yeah time. that's says oh okay well whatever <laughs> yeah all right he doesn't have his hammer i wonder what happened to his hammer must be in asgard oh, somewhere maybe he's not worthy right now nobody's yeah. really worthy of the hammer these days all the hammers have been absorbed or something by mjolnir what do you give it uh i gave it a seven Ooh. I'll bump it up to a 7.5. I'm going to stick with a 7. That was that was my instinct. And I just noticed that Al Ewing's writing X-Men Red in the back of this book. So I know. That's interesting. Uh, that's another X-Men book I'll have to read. Hey, Roman, did you read X-Men number 9 this week? Number 9. Number 9. Number nine. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did read it. Nice. Are you guessing? Could you tell nine? me quickly if it was good or not? Because <clears throat> I, I don't loved know. the last episode or issue because it was the Modoc one. Yeah, I did. Um... And they do reference that. I don't know. This issue, I actually, I fell asleep once reading it. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff going on with the Quiet Council and the Arako Council and a third council, which I think is the bad guys, Orcus. I don't know. I wasn't really into this issue. Um, I was glad when I had finished it because I felt like I accomplished something. Um, yeah, I, I, I asked because it was only, I think, like, maybe I mentioned the last issue of those that came out, but like, <clears throat> I think that I've, I've wanted to like Gary Jerry Duggan <laughs> and I have read everything kind of thinking that I do, but I think, I don't think that I do. I don't, I don't think I like his writing very much. I think it's always just a little bit more dry than I want <clears throat> it to be. Yes. And, and there's some interesting ideas, but he gets lost in these really dry, boring moments. And uh, anyway, I, I was hoping that this one, because the, the cover of it looks really exciting. I want to read more, you know, Alpha Sentinel and Nimrod and stuff. Um, but okay, well, thank you. I just had to ask. I didn't read it. And I'm I'm kind of in a state of denial about, I don't know. I don't know, Gary Jerry Duggan. <laughs> I gave it a seven. Mm-hmm. Well, seven, my timbers. Um, where do you guys want to go next? Mm, you want to head anywhere up? as long as we're getting away from that. Seven, my timbers. Yeah. Is that how you do it? I guess you don't, you just kind of ignore it. You don't, you don't tear me down. You just pretend I don't exist. Sorry, what? I tell a joke as bad as seven months. Sorry, what? I was thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow. I think it might be like a huevos ranchero thing. That's a, yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. And then, sorry, the only thing I really like is when you're sad. <laughs> um, let's talk. Secret, Jeff. I'm always, I'm always sad. sad. Yeah, I know. It's starting to show too, bud. Your hair is drooping. Um, let's talk about Dark Knights of Steel. What do you say about that, my little love bean? Uh, Roman, he asked you a question. Oh, oh, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the love bean. Yeah, you're both love beans. <laughs> this was a, this was an exciting issue, wasn't it? I can't, I'll tell you what. 
I tell you what, at uh, two different, what. I'll tell you, but I'll tell you what, listen, tell I was reading what, my boy. comics this week and I was reading my comics and I had my hands on my comics and there was two different issues, two different times, one time per issue, two different issues. This was one of them where I turned a page. I read, I read to the end of the comic book and I went back and I realized that my grummy little tiny sweat for my little sweat, wet hands. They, I turned two pages at once. Missed a whole page <laughs> that happened in this book, and it happened in another book that I read. And the pisser is, spoilers, everyone, the pages I missed is when Superman stabs Batman in the belly oh, with, for oh, stabs him in the belly with kryptonite. Um, that's that's the page. That was the page I read when I texted you both and said, are we podcasting tonight? Because I really want to talk about this issue. Is yeah. I had just gotten to that panel. <laughs> I had not read the issue yet when you sent that. And so I started it and I read it and I got to, and that's that page is near the end. And it you it's not that you can't understand it if you miss that page. Because like Bruce is like, you know, he says something like, I don't want you to feel shame or for you to. And then if you miss that, you would see superman choking batman and it says this is our world now even you know? seeing that page it's still really abrupt like wow. whoa superman yeah. went bad boy in this what happened all you there? miss there is herc shink cow yeah but you <laughs> see i had to like read through the page to be like whoa he's got kryptonite shoved in his chest batman Dude. needs a Batman needs a safe word. He that, does. That it's page, Cal. It's Cal. He thought he was safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that page turn got me good. Yeah, like, I I feel dumb. So that was those, that was a thing those that buddies fighting like really actually fighting is a not fair even if Batman is part super and b just kind of sad because they're supposed to be buddies. Yeah, but, I sorry, Roman, please. That was a great thing, and it's funny because the art he really subtly uh, telegraphed it. Because Alfred gives Batman that 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 chunk of kryptonite wrapped up, and then later he's and then Batman's talking to Superman, and he gives Superman or Cal um, the wrapped up thing, and then it disappears out of sight. But in the last panel before the page turn, you can see there's something glowing green on oh, Superman's wow. chin. He's yeah, unwrapped right. it below the panel. So wow. Roman, piggybacking off of that, um, the lighting in this, the coloring and lighting in this in general, because that. It, statement right there amazing because if you look at the lighting that's yeah. you, you see that the final page of the actual issue is just the the kents carting off and the sunset colors are like is one of the most gorgeous sunsets mm. like single image that's right up there with like superman for all seasons like tim sale yeah. cotton candy skies like it's just a gorgeous scene and, um, and so the, the lighting light rays yeah in the jungle are yeah yeah, yeah. There as well yeah. like uh looks a little bit like isola style lighting, yeah. which is the, my favorite part of that book for sure yeah the the lighting in this is something special we need to even like the 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 shadows on harley's face in the jungle yeah. are like leaf shaped yeah. and that adds a lot of depth to this issue color by arif prianto well done arif yeah seriously so i, I guess i like the superman turn in this because you know it's almost kind of like superman red sunny you know like it's mm -hmm. nice to get an elseworld story where like maybe Superman's not just pillar of, you know, like I want my Superman to be pillar of morality, but I, I don't mind an Elseworld story. And this one we see, you know, Bruce is found by the Kents and that's awesome. So it also kind of begs the question of, okay, so how much of Superman's morality is due to the Kents? Cause he didn't have them in this world because Batman gets to have them in this world. And right. so it makes it more believable that he could turn. I don't know. Roman, what do you think? Yeah. And I always like that kind of story where they, the different version level like red sun where yeah he's not raised by the kents and it always goes badly also bruce is not going to be raised by the kents 
because he's already he's yeah, already he's... like mostly grown right? right so it's too late to change his kind of moral compass i think in a in a big way yeah, unless he's... we're gonna have this thing stretch on into years and years and years 12 it's... years five of 12 yeah but maybe it's like the story could cover 10 yeah, years or something yeah, but i you know i'm excited by this series because we're five of 12 issues in and a lot has happened and it feels like there's so much more to happen but a point of clarification if you don't mind me asking you two um hmm. hunks of men so it's the nicest thing you've said to me yeah it was still <laughs> hunk um <laughs> uh, so so in this i feel like in the previous issue we did see like super gil girl super gil Hey, I'm Gil. <laughs> I'm here to fix your toilet. I'm here to fix your toilet. Um, my things, are, things are looking up for old Gil. <laughs> Simpsons. Um, knocked that over, didn't I? Mm. Sure did. Gil, you're fired. Oh, things are really looking down for old Gil. Um, but didn't we see Supergirl kill mm. that person? And then this, they're bringing it up and she's like, no, I didn't. So I don't. Oh, did we? Didn't we see like, like her show ago, up? Wasn't it? Maybe three, maybe oh. two. She shows up and like grabs a guy out of the window and like takes him up and drops him. And like, like we, she flew up there. I don't know yeah. if I'm getting blonde Kryptonian oh. women confused or not, but so I'm not sure if there's a double of her Power girl or if she's lying or maybe it was Power Girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Kara. So there's Kara and Kara is Power Girl. Kara's Power Girl. And then Zala, is that what this one is? Yeah, that's that's his sister. So Supergirl is Zala, his cousin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That that, that clarifies it. But yeah, just they're, they're sort of blonde Kryptonians, I guess. We're unless it's the other way around. Because yeah, now I'm confused. Because I thought Kara was Supergirl. Yeah, tra- traditionally Kara is Supergirl. You're totally right. I'm totally and wrong. Zala's a made up name. Well, they're all made up names, but Zala's a name we're not familiar with in the Kryptonian mythos. I think. I think Kara. I think her name is also. All right, Kara, well, we're a fucking comic <laughs> podcast. What's Power Girl's name? Kara Zor-El. Uh, Kara Zor-El. Kara. Maybe it's Kara and Kara. Did Maybe you ever think it. of that? Yeah. Like, that's that's totally Yeah, awesome. you're right. That is Kara. K-A-R-A. Oh, well, fucking A. No matter no wonder I'm confused. I mean, um, I mean, freaking A. <laughs> but so but yeah. okay, but so Kirk 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 Superman. Kirk, Kirk L. <laughs> um Kirk and G- Gil. <laughs> at the beginning of this it is you know kirk kent showing up and talking to zala so that's weird so we don't know is there you know yeah so that's a question who is kryptonian zala yeah i couldn't remember who who killed uh, jefferson pierce's kid you're right but I, it totally could have been so it looks like zala Jorel is specific to the dark knights of steel universe okay okay um it sounds like a kryptonian name yeah yeah um i really I- like Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say I really like, and then you said I really oh. like. So <laughs> I really like. Finish, uh, I just you finish what I was going to say. I just really like the three major beats in this story. You know, the we get the, and I didn't realize I was missing it, but we get to see um, Poison Ivy is in this unit in this realm, and her and Harley have a relationship. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. And then the thing was Kal-El apparently killing Batman, but then the yeah. thing with the Kents is like, wow, those are three awesome epic things in this one issue. <laughs> They are. I gave it an 8.5. What'd you guys give it? 8.5. I'm going down my list. I lost track. Of, my eyeballs lost track of where it is on my list. You um, sex minx. Uh, oh. Yeah, just just play some Jeopardy music or something. I can't find it. Oh, did I want this uh, email from Nathan we got? There was a secondary oh. email from last week, but I, I gave it an 8.5. Nice. All of us did. Can I can I say one one little tiny spoiler that disappointed me about the Batman? Yeah, the movie. Yeah. Spoilers yeah. for the Batman, everyone. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's good. It's worth seeing at least. Um, Zero F words. Yeah, that's the spoiler. Yeah. 
Yeah, even when Peacemaker shows up. Oh, oops. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, Roman no, just <laughs> Roman just dribbled a little bit out of his lips. Um, okay, so Nathan sent us a really nice email that we talked about on the podcast with our good friend Brian Garside. I don't remember um, doing that podcast at all. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can't hear you that well either. And that's nice. because of us and our mics. Um, so the follow-up to his email was, anyway, let's get weird. Please read the following lines aloud to your showmates until they or you can guess what you're saying. Hint, people, places, things, phrases related to comics. Answers are in subsequent email. Warm up. B-yay-b-yo-da. Baby-yo-da. Okay, you got it. All right, so I'm going to say some words now that are spelled certain ways, and you have to tell me what they they mean they get progressively more difficult okay um, i'm ready my soul is prepared tone eats dark tony stark good two surrey bro cerebro good three tall lurk o mix bin mr mixapitalic tall lurk <laughs> tall lurk o mix bin taller go mix bin taller comics bin dollar oh. comics bin no i, was, I think that's right Tall lurk. lurk o mix bin b e e n. Tall lurk o mix bin. It's got to be dollar comics bin. Dollar comics bin. Okay, oh, it's, it's a be. name. It's a name of an upcoming character in the next season of Boba Fett. <laughs> okay, four is da aim Ian Wayne. Damian Wayne. Okay. Okay. Number five. Thin eyed mare. Inner Annie's hawk eyes lap. <laughs> what? Thin eyed mare. Inner Annie's hawk eyes lap thin eyed air inner annie's hawkeye's lap hawkeyes hawkeye's lap thin eyed mariners mariner thin eyed mariner thin eyed mariner annie's hawk eyes slap and and his and his hawk i don't know hawkeye was at the beach and got his costume all dirty okay i had to look at the other email um, so yeah, three was dollar comics bin. Nice. Good oh. one, Jeff. Five thin eyed mare inner Annie's Hawkeye's lap. <laughs> the nightmare and his sockeye slap. Nice. <laughs> That's a good callback to nice. a podcast we all wow. used to do together. Okay. The um, Night Mariner and the Sockeye Slap. Roman's dark alter ego and his super move. I didn't know any of our stuff was going to be in there. That was Um, fun, Will. Or sorry, not Will. Will was the first fucking guy. (laughs) That was fun, Nabu. Thank you. That is something called the Anguish Languish. Oh. Which, if you say it right, sounds like the English language. And uh, somebody wrote Little Red Riding Hood, but the entire story using the wrong words, like Little Rat Rotten Hut. Hey, have you... Hey, Roman, do you know the song? Little Red Riding Hood. You sure look something good and don't want some the big bad wolf alone. Oh, yep. <laughs> it yeah, sounds okay. mean, like like a three dog night song, like like it's, a nightmare. Like it seems Mama like there needs to, to be a Tom Waits cover of it. Um, but I, that seems yeah. like a song that Roman would know. That's a song that I oh, would yeah. hear on the nineteen oh, fifties, sixties pop station driving around with my dad. Yeah, uh, I can't remember, can't remember who did it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you bet. Jeff, I threw I threw a bonus one in the chat. Let me see if Roman Roman can grab that. Yeah, Roman, listen to this. Ladle rat rotten hut. No, that's one you did that's already. One I just right? said. Yeah. Radar yeah. softer lost ark. Radar softer lost ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> well done, everyone. Hey, call a crossover number twelve. Donny Cates, yeah. Jeff Shaw, D. Cunafee, John H. Hill, and um, Phil Hester and Klaus Jansen. I love that they hide those credits. 
when they have a like a famous ass guest artist in these issues they hide yeah. they don't put it on the cover or anything they just like sort of put it on the credits page yeah this this comic is weird and it feels like you're not supposed to be reading it i love it i love it I hope that it is not wrapping up. He does make a meta statement here of like, we've got to thread narrative A and narrative B together or else this thing's going to fall apart. <laughs> I don't care about narrative A. I don't care. Just keep doing this weird fucking meta thing with writers and the characters going and killing the people that created them. Like, yeah. I, I love that. Um, and I, I like Donny Cates belittling himself. And I like that at one point he makes an exclamation mark in a speech bubble and then he reaches up, grabs the speech bubble and then uses the point of it to stab someone through the heart. It's so good. It's so good. And and that Phil Hester Klaus Jansen art is it's a it's a pretty good Ryan Otley look. Huh. No, not Ryan Otley. Jeff Shaw's the guy doing the book. Yeah, but who did the uh it's supposed to look like Walking Dead because it's a it's Adler. A Kirkman. Yeah, it looks like like Adler's art. Yeah, it does look kind of like Adler's art. That's a good point. I uh, love that in Kirkman's <laughs> home. He's just got like Transformers statues and three <laughs> copies of Action Comics number 1 and like they're totally just making fun of him. And I wonder how much of it had his blessing. Also, it doesn't look that much like Robert Kirkman. There's like a, just a bag that says Frazetta covers and McFarlane yeah. covers. Like, and, and he talks like Kirk, Kirkman too. Like, like all his characters just talk and talk yeah. and talk and talk about their feelings. And they kind of nailed that with him as a, a human who's also a character. Roman, did you, are you reading crossover still? I am. I am. Where, does, all... where does it fall for you? I, I, I love meta shit, even when it's like pretty up its own ass and like without substance. But like if the, the writer is referencing the creator in the story and shit like that always kind of juices me. I'm, I'm not sure actually if I know for sure where you fall on that. Well, well it's really interesting hearing because you guys both are loving it more than I am. And I, and I, my favorite part of this was Kirkman's dialogue and, and you know, Negan Which was call written by Kirkman and Negan calling was it no and negan calling him out on that and everything and, and yeah kirkman's oh home and all that i didn't even realize that kirkman wrote pages <laughs> one through ten i only saw the artists i, I even like... thought i even thought i was like this doesn't sound quite like negan this sounds like donny gates doing ne and that's crazy they hide like, these credits and i yeah, love that that's so good i love it <laughs> that's funny i didn't notice that either um i love he's got a giant statue of george romero out front yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, and I liked all the stuff with, with Kirkman, but it's interesting that overall this, and they talk about how it happened, he did bring narrative A and narrative B together again. And I'm like, yeah, because in, in some ways I don't care about this meta thing with the comic book art. Like for me, and it's interesting that, like I never read Walking Dead or, you know, I read the first volume. Or um, Saga. Yeah, I never read Saga. I never <laughs> I never finished the Walking Dead TV series. So a lot of the stuff comics a day and he doesn't get to those. Yeah, I never read Powers. <laughs> um so when these characters have been showing up, you know, I don't really know anything about them. I don't really care. I think I feel like I'm missing a lot of the joke because okay. I don't know okay. these characters. Yeah. Um I could see that. So yeah, those parts I'm it is funny that Walking Dead like I left the TV series right before Negan showed up. <laughs> Yeah, no one watches that show. But. That's amazing, Roman. That that you read so many comics and and just haven't haven't ever imbibed probably four of the most popular <laughs> indie comics in the last fifteen years. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting. It does feel like the book started in one direction, then he got excited about doing something else, and it's just like a totally different book now. But he like still has to be beholden to it. My concern is that on the final page, like the you know the bitchin' advertisement for the cover of you know the next cover because it's a good advertisement cover. Uh, 
I don't know. But it We're says... going to have granola for breakfast. The insanity concludes in the final chapter of Meanwhile, dot, dot, dot. Does that mean that next issue is the final issue of this series? Or is it the I final letter page? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe it's just the conclusion of this story arc. Okay, I, maybe I this... guess it's the story arc. Okay, I hope that. I hope that it's not the end of the whole thing. Because I was like, I don't think that you can effectively wrap these things up in one more issue, my dude. Yeah, I hope we get at least three solid trades. I'd be happy with four or five. Yeah, um, I would keep it going. I, I I would have always wanted, you know, and wanted to write and have sort of like even jokingly scripted in my head, like, show me behind the scenes comics about the creators hanging out with this shit. I love that idea. I wanted to write a comic for a while about the guy that went to and sold weed to the different comic creators. And so like, oh, what it was nice. like to go sell weed to Jonathan Hickman, who's like super neurotic <laughs> and like, you know, I just, I thought it would be super fucking awesome. So, you know, more of that in these is great for me. It is a little, a little like Donnie Cates patting himself on the back, but he keeps mentioning how narcissistic it is throughout it. So I guess I can forgive it. Yeah, I loved when he shows up with like looking like Donny Cates instead of all bearded and long hair. And he's like, oh, yeah, I had to I cut my hair and dyed it between the panels because people were getting confused with that Alan Moore look. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Roman, I, what about when the guy got stabbed with a speech balloon? That was pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, that was that was funny. I wasn't quite sure why it happened, but yeah, it was funny. <laughs> I just it, like I love that the whole thing exists in that space where it's not it doesn't exist in the medium that it is being written. Yeah, like yeah. it can't because he's using a speech balloon to stab someone, but it also doesn't exist in the medium of the actual people writing it. And so it, it's in this liminal space. And I, while I don't think it's brilliant and it's not the best thing ever, I, I think it is hard to make a story work in that liminal space like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the books that I have at the top of my stack every time it comes out, just because it's, it's guaranteed to be super entertaining and not, very heavyweight you know like, i feel as well yeah it's it's really good at what it does and this issue it, the cover is an homage to issue number one isn't it that's and why the, i was concerned maybe yeah. it was ending because it's the like final, book ending. the final page i think is also a reference to one of the co- the covers for number one or number two you're three or four but yeah yeah for yeah, sure yeah but with donny cates in the background like a little in a lightsaber boy yeah i gave it an 8.5 let me give it a nine i gave it a seven nice yeah Roman in general um, is meta a thing that like I would say that like you know to put it in kind of like Django parlance like if it's a story that involves really meta stuff you get a plus two to your role like in general for me you know <laughs> so I'm curious is that a thing that like uh, gives makes your nipples hard or are you just kind of over it because you've read a lot no. more than I have yeah not not necessarily though I did realize really reading the series since they mentioned Kate's mentions Alan Moore so many times I realized boy if this was about creators like Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, I'd be much more excited. Right. Like, like the, I guess the mod, the newer, more modern guys. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about. No, I, I totally agree. It's, it's Kirkman. Even, it's Vaughn. Even Kirk- it's Snyder. Like, yeah. yeah. Give me, and even give me Kirkman, a- at least, I don't know if he is older than Kate's, but. Oh, he is. The writing seems like he is. And, and in this issue, he looks older. And I was more interested in him than I was Kate's. I'll bet he's got 10, 10 or 12 years on Donnie. Okay. Yeah. I would hope that. I just yeah. like old guy comics. Donnie, I would hope so. I would hope that Donnie does that because this is a little bit more his school, his his graduating class, if you so to speak. And I'm, you know, take it out of your butt. 
unplug Donnie, make it about Morrison and Alan Moore. He's probably a little bit nervous to do that, though, right? Like, it's fun <laughs> to make fun of Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah, exactly. It's fun to make fun of Brian K. Vaughn and Robert Kirkman because they'll give it their blessing. But like Morrison and Frank Miller and fucking Alan Moore and shit, you'd probably be like, you're my favorite writers. I don't want to offend you. Oh, my God. But I mean, yeah. Grant Morrison might call him out on his bullshit and be like, OK, this is cute. But what I, you really should do. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that yeah. that's the fucking way. I hope he writes more than <laughs> and I hope that's the dynamic. Um, sorry. Did, yeah, we did do scores on that one. So now I think it's time to buckshot. Jenny, you've got 90 seconds on the clock. Now, I'm not going to start it quite yet because oh I had to God. find my phone and everything. You but I want you to know that if you... Uh, what? Oh, Mercy. Is that a Bob Dylan mercy, reference? Mercy, Go. Mercy. I'm going to include ah. some books that came out last week. Pink. Um, books. books Loser. Like, you can't do that. bleed. Yeah. Uh, by Victor Santos. It was a number one, and it follows the story of a guy who was in a team kind of like Youngblood in the 90s, and now he's kind of older and not doing so great. The cartooning in this is holy shit amazing. It's like shades of everybody that we love, and it's it's super, super cool. Uh, the writing could use a better translator, but I think that anybody who likes Darwin Cook or um, Eduardo Riso or any of these any of these kind of super graphic creators would, is doing themselves a disservice by not at least picking it up and flipping through it. I also read, read a thing called Truth Number 5. Still reading it, still liking it. That was the last issue, and I kind of hope that they do another arc. Newburn was good. Rain Number 2 came out last week. That was amazing, and uh, everybody should be reading that comic. I uh, also read... One Star Squadron, number four of six, and it's got some nice Max Lord and clearly some very, very good Mark Russell action because that's uh, that's just what Mark Russell does. Uh, very topical, sharp uh, parody. Um, also, I'd like to have a long discussion about uh, Human Target. Oh, <laughs> man. It was good. Human Target was good, but we might Django. have talked about that before. I don't remember. Most of what comes out of your mouth is like a disgusting, vomitous cum dribble, but it's diarrhea too. What I will say is that your timing is impeccable. You, you're good at you. Your timing on a joke is good. It's it's friends, Jeff. It's friends and timing. Timing and friends. That's no, all. I'm sorry, I don't is. think I don't think you have those first ones, but I think your timing is all right. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Oh, Roman, minute and thirty. Go. Oh my God! How you like um, that, Jeff? I thought it was going to be me. Well done. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Your timing, uh, man. You know, Monkey King. No, damn, Monkey Prince. <laughs> I screwed it up already. Monkey <laughs> Prince number two. God, I love this book. This was my ten for the week. It, it, it's so much fun. It's it's a whole lot of Dragon Ball in the DCU. Jeff, the uh, last issue ended with Batman and Robin facing off against the Monkey Prince, and got, Monkey Prince got his head chopped off. He's saved by the janitor, who's really the pig guy. Mr. Zoo, and he saves him with this great panel, um, and he's screaming, gust of wind from immortal porcine ears, and all of a sudden his ears fly up giant size, and this huge gust of wind comes and knocks Batman and Robin way back, and he saves the monkey prince. It's so much fun. <laughs> um, Avengers Forever, you know, I'm number three. I'm enjoying this series more than the main Avengers series, even though the role for it by Jason Aaron, uh, but this one's in a some other dimension where Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider is gone and Tony Stark is Ant-Man in that universe. And it's all drawn by Aaron Cooter. And it's just cool, big, bombastic Marvel, weird action. The thing in that universe got was in an accident and got melded with an infinity stone. So he's the infinity thing. And it's just a bunch of cool, fun ideas. I read the first issue of War for Earth 3, number one of two. It's the big new crossover. 
Amanda Waller has taken a suicide group to Earth-3 to enlist the crime syndicate into her command. And it's pretty cool. Speaking of timing. Angel, angels, angels forever sounds fucking cool. It is. I didn't expect much out of it, but it's a I mean, fun book. But I love Cooter's art. So there's some sort of new character in there. Some some spec thing that happened this week. Oh, there is. Made me made me curious about it. I can't remember what it was, but there's some some concept that sounded pretty cool. It just sounds more interesting than his standard Avengers book. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch in here. There's a bunch of new characters and <clears throat> new directions uh, things going. on I thought he here. said nude characters yeah. as well. New directions. There's a cool thing Robbie Reyes doesn't hear because he's found out being here in this universe that uh, he's the all rider. He can turn he can turn anything into a hell vehicle he can use. So it turns out when they try to attack him with symbiotes, turns out unlike usually where the symbiote takes you over, he can take over the symbiote and ride it. <laughs> And that's crazy because oh. it reminds me so much of you, Roman, the all rider who can turn all surfaces into a Sibian like thing to sit upon. Jeff, he you can win it in 30. Go. Django, I was making Sibian <laughs> jokes about Roman. I thought you yeah, would I like, like that. Yeah, I like Sibian jokes. It made me blush. It made me blush. And I, I read to... Rogue oh. Sun number one by Ryan Parrott, artist Abel, Crystal Holleran on colors. Looked like a Power Injury Night thing. Superhero story from Image Comics. It was a number one. I thought I'd read it because I think that it's good to read those number ones for this fucking podcast. Django was like, isn't that like tying into Radiant Black? And I was like, no, it's not. And I had read the beginning of Radiant Black and liked that. I haven't been reading it since then. And it is a. it was good. It was a superhero type thing. He A, a shitty son whose dad dies, finds out he was a superhero. He leaves the device that turns him into a superhero. Uh, to him but the dad had gotten remarried and has these other siblings and that, so that that's interesting but um it is fucking tied into the radiant black universe i fucking knew it <laughs> i don't fucking know and that's a huge universe we got to talk about that in a second what if miles morales this was actually better than i thought i was going to be i want to talk about what if stories with roman because wow. they're always kind of inconsequential but at the same time there's some cool stuff that happens i think the costumes are really cool they introduced a character that miles is dating in here that i really liked uh the world was good 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 ideas i think the best part of it was the dan panosian cover to Electro 100 that was previewed in one of the pages there i liked that um, certainly a lot and then yeah this is a series of one shots but it does sort of end with an a, a element of the story that is doing some sort of dimensional hopping type of thing so makes sense that uh series of one shots but they're going to be kind of connected and it's a good way of introducing extra characters kind of in the way that they did with edge of spider-verse uh and beyond the Spider-Verse, like when they introduced Spider-Gwen. So it's a great way of kind of using a testing ground of one-shots to create these new characters that might become really valuable IPs. Your timing's pretty good. You use the, yeah, yeah, that probably, good. probably an extra second who's, of padding. Well, I was character? talking about your joke, your joke timing. Your oh. joke timing is impeccable, Django. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a new character or not, but the Falcon is a girl that Miles is dating. And oh, name... yeah. Well, in, in the regular Miles... Okay, I haven't been reading that. ...story, she's not the Falcon. She's... Actually, it's not a very good name she's a winged character named sparrow who's the okay like niece of the vulture okay and her name is ta something to yeah yeah that's her name and yeah, she's she's very likable and i liked her in this and she's she's a total badass so i liked her um they're doing something in this radiant black universe you guys mm -hmm. they're like radiant black they've got you know the red one coming out they did that super massive one shot rogue son is apparently apparently he's just a character that has shown up but i'll say that it's a well-written book and the characters are likable. And I started it feeling a little like, ah, this is kind of a chore. And by halfway through, I thought it was really good. If you liked Radiant Black, you should read this. I should have auto-subbed the seven Radiant Black readers that we have to this book. And I didn't. Probably not too late. Probably not too late. Um, but if you've read the Power Rangers books, Django, that was a good call. Like they're, If you like stories about damaged youth inheriting power and needing to learn those, like the lessons with it, 
kind of like a Spider-Man story. This seems like a good one. And it does seem like Image is putting a lot of money into the idea of this being a shared universe, which is interesting because mm-hmm. like, I feel like that got leaked when Radiant Black 1 came out. And I had said that to yeah. you. And then you said it to somebody at Image and they were like, yeah, we're not necessarily saying that. That's going around. But then it kind of, but they, they told are. you like, yeah, but he is bringing some friends on board, but it, it yeah. totally is what it's going on. But they, they've been denying it for now, like a year and a half. So there's an interesting interesting pocket of comics and uh i think it's quite good i think that you know it reminds me of like ultimate spider-man so if you're looking for a kind of all ages story to check in with some new superheroes and they're trying to do some comprehensive world building that's interesting and good um i i would i would recommend it i need i want to catch up with radiant black i fell behind on it but i actually like this one more than radiant black so i gave rogue son an eight and i gave what if miles morales a seven i gave it a 7.5 or a seven i don't know and when you talk about that being similar to power rangers are you thinking of sibian's power rangers Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. sibian's entertainment yeah okay that's what i thought with the gold coin logo yeah roman you know about that one the all rider the horse oh yeah yeah that's the deluxe Dogs model. <laughs> oh, you're a monster and a machine. Um, Django, have Jeffrey. we done everything that we came here to do? I mean, feels like we kind of did. It, it I wanna, seems concise. Like, it seems concise. There's something wrong with us? Well, there's something wrong with you. My battery is getting low and I realize it's not plugged in, so that's problematic. Um, I want to throw a big thank you out to Brian Garside for hanging out with us last week. Uh, the guy. audio That guy is amazing and so much fun. And thank you for writing us emails and thank you for hanging out with us for every night of a comics pro there wasn't a huge intro to that episode but uh Django and Clutton I got an Airbnb in Blaine for <laughs> several days because Django and I used to go to this comics pro three-day event every year somewhere in the country um but because of COVID last year and this year it was all virtual um but it was very fun to get an Airbnb but yeah Django brought his friend Brian on board now everyone's in love with him so Brian we love you I had to offset his awesomeness by having a my levels wrong man I don't know what happened I don't know what happened I don't know we won't talk about it now because I'm an audiophile and I'm just sort of wondering what happened to the audio recording settings that we had made but you say audiophile I say audiophiliac yeah that too I do have sex with dead audiophiles yeah um but on that note, yeah, so thank you, Brian. And just thanks for anyone who listened to that sort of 45-minute buddy hangout session. We like we don't like missing weeks on this podcast feed, but we also don't always have a chance to read comics. So that was just sort of an email buddy fest. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Roman, next time you and I need to find an excuse to get a share, make a, you know, a fort in an Airbnb and hang out with folks and sleep in a fort tent and it'll be fun. <laughs> and there's our excuse. It'll be fun. Exactly. I love it. Um, men file pack at a wrench. That sounds like a Sibian activity. Men, <laughs> men file pack at a wrench. Django just did another one of those things that Nathan sent us. Men file pack at a wrench. Men fi- at her rent. Men file. Is this dirty, Django? Are we spending it's a lot of time on it? Is it a movie? Men file. Men file pack. Men file pack at a wrench. Men file pack at her wrench. I pack only, at her. I don't pack know. I, I can only think dirty things. At her wrench. At her Men pack. file pack at her wrench. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Bingo. Oh. I fucking hate you. Your <laughs> oh, timing's great, though. What can I say? Um, well, still, still a dirty thing. Oh, Roman. Me- meanwhile, back at the ranch. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Uh, you can get us an email at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. You know, Brian sent us emails and just sort of ended up on the podcast so if somehow you're looking to get on the podcast the best way to do it is to send emails to this and the ted lasbro's 
podcast, which is what podcast I do with our friend Will. But that's what Brian somehow did. But Jane was making weird faces. Did we play the email that he sent us ever? No, we didn't. I saved it from last week because he was on it. I didn't want to do it while he was on it. And it's buried in my inbox now. Yeah, sorry. There's a there's a thing. I got it here. I, I, Thank you so much. I, yeah. Oh, Whoa, Brian. Close call. I, I was just sitting here talking about how it. much I love Brian, but. Because that's kind of our, uh, that's our rule, right? Yeah, that's my rule. Send, so us, I, uh, send us an email. We don't read it or listen. I try to be, as the producer, I try to be on the same page as my guests, which are Roman and Django. So, okay, uh, so let's, all right. Let's, let's see what happens here. Hey there, perfectly acceptable podcast rumination direction posse. Yeah. Brian Garside here. So I hear that you want to talk Nightwing. Well, I'm your Huckleberry. So let's chat. We can talk about how Nightwing is one of the few characters in comics who's been allowed to have a full character arc where he started out as a child and is now an adult. And we've seen him grow every step of the way. How people like me have actually grown up with him at every one of those steps and how we have an affinity to him um, because of that. We could talk about Dan DiDio's hatred of Nightwing and how he's tried to destroy him on many an occasion. We could chat about... Oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, the artists that have been on Nightwing, the creative teams that have been on Nightwing, how he's kind of attracted some of the, the best and the brightest, um, kind of at the, the peak of their abilities as well. Yeah, you want to talk about Nightwing. I'll make you famous. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that came to us before we recorded last week's episode, and I unknowingly kind of juiced some of that out of him even. Um on that podcast he made himself a little misty-eyed talking about it at one point um He's a big fan well i am too i'm a huge nightwing fan i'm a huge fan of that giant yellow collar that extends down from the base of his belt you know and comes up around his neck I, for his I, early I'm, costumes i'm a big fan of how he's not as good as batman or robin zing <laughs> yeah i i he's easily one of my top five favorite characters in the dc universe for sure no questions yeah. asked for me yeah for sure and that's a great point Brian had that uh, it made me realize that, yeah, when I was a kid, Night Dick Grayson was just, you know, slightly older, like five or six years older than me, maybe five. And when I, when New Teen Titans, like, 36. Perez and Wolfman came out, I used to, I was like in high school, I think, finishing rap high school years because i used to imagine like what if me and my friends were these characters these these superheroes and getting in all this you know personal turmoil and romantic involvements and all that yeah i can't think That's of yeah i think it's a great favorite robin he's he's got to be mine as well although i love the tim drake costume um you know i'm trying I'm to just, think of other characters that have been allowed to age and it is it's really hard there's not that many um you know there's things like john yeah. kent but they had to like send him to right a, they they cheated <laughs> yeah exactly yeah for a while there you know Oliver Queen, but that was just Mike Grell's run where he supposedly yeah. was aging at normal. I time guess maybe and... Wally West has also grown up. Has he? Oh, he was a teen yeah. and now he's married yeah. and has kids. Okay. Yeah, in a way they kind of did that with well, all the main Teen Titans. Uh, Donna Troy. I mean, yeah, she got married, had kids, but 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 Dick Grayson, I, I think it has been in the limelight longer than anybody. Yeah, kind of they, bummer. No, go ahead, Roman. Oh, I was just going to add that, yeah, those other characters, they've kind of, except for Wally, not as much, but Donna Troy, especially, they kind of reversed every development she had. They yeah. went back and changed it. Django, what sort of poop were you going to lay on our chests? Well, I was just going to, I was just going to shit out a thing on you that says like, and I quote, what kind of bummer, and then end quote, and then the rest of this I'm going to be making up. 
um, would it be to be in the DC universe and see only a couple of people age and wonder why? Was that your question for the week or whatever? <laughs> I don't know what it was. We don't uh-huh. do that on this podcast. That's season yeah. one shit. It's, yeah, you're right. Season one, we've all grown. Yeah. We, should, we should just give an answer of the week. It's the only thing keeping us from going back to that regular old podcast that we used to do. I kind of miss it, You know my questions are coming back. I kind of miss that old podcast, though. What's your answer of the week, Roman? Uh, Des Moines. Mine is melatonin. Mine is Pat Broderick. And uh, I think Brian Garside is going to know what I'm talking about. I love Brian Garside. So if you want to send an email and maybe eventually get on the show, Jeff at thecomicsplace.com or an audio recording or whatever, we'll play whatever. And we, you could, you can set us up for disaster there. Nathan Butcher. Thank you so much for your game this week. Will you, will you Elmer? Thank you as always for your introductory thing. That's how we find our momentum and our footing and our footing and Brian <laughs> Garside. Thank you for yours. And just thanks for being a gem. You're a gem, a G E M, not a J I M. You're a Brian and a gem, G E M. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. I am always am Jeff, and it wouldn't be the Papcast or nude. It wouldn't be nude boy erections or found fossils or whatever the fuck we started as. <laughs> wouldn't be found fossils if I didn't do our call tag at the end. Keep watching the skies. notice at the very end and i'm gonna have to watch out for this when i watch it again the the focus is weird like when they're zooming in with they're zooming in on on some politician at the very end people outside of the center are fuzzy when they shouldn't be like Hmm. there's not a lens that does that it's it's an effect and it it was i want to see if they do that throughout the movie because it definitely draws your eye to where they want it but once I noticed it, I was like, oh, I hope this movie doesn't go on very much because that's going to bug me. <laughs> um, Paul Dano's fucking fabulous awesome. yet again. Yeah. Um, um, I loved I loved when when you see his mouth, you're like, oh, that guy's fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the first moment you see his mouth, you're like, oh, yep. This is not this is not Edward Nigma. This is a fucking crazy guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the story thread of approaching it like a Kurt Cobain style character is fucking brilliant because it didn't really like the 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 i think the accuracy of that statement didn't really hit me until i was watching it but like a young person suddenly given a lot of resources and power mm-hmm. with like a sense of purpose but also is way out of their depth but also has a weird sense of entitlement to their cause and like I, it just like the comparison really yeah. makes sense to me like just that weird chip on his shoulder and like stubborn confidence Mm-hmm. but it's also like spoiled and entitled and kind of the byproduct of a rapid change of status of life. Yeah. Like, it, you know how Grant Morrison talks about choosing a word to describe the characters in the justice league and mm-hmm. then writing to that word. Mm-hmm. And I think that the movies do that too. In this movie, the word is vengeance. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, at some point, my thought was, I'm surprised that they haven't made a Batman movie where the word is childish. 
because he's 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 just a rich strong kid in arrested mm -hmm. development right you know yeah um exactly just really lean into that because this one this one shows those as that is his flaws but not really as like the the core of his character which i think really when it comes right down to it it, it is sometimes oh for sure and i like <laughs> you know i think kurt cobain is that same type of arrested development childish like yeah. you're 27 and you're still singing about your parents getting divorced like yeah grow up get over it like I love Nirvana. They're, you know, my favorite fucking thing. But even he was saying that he's like, I'm just a fucking kid whining about his parents getting divorced at this yeah. point, you know? And, yeah. And that's kind of what Bruce is doing. He's just like never gotten over this one thing. So I, I, I really applaud that direction. And I think there's even a strong argument for, you know, Selena Kyle having the Courtney love metaphors really strongly overlap. So I, I think that was really brilliant, but in terms of the, the writing, like the actual dialogue and writing and the execution of the film, I, I, I don't like being bored in a movie and that's my own kind of ADHD, but like two and a half, three hours in, like, unless you're doing something new, which that movie mm -hmm. didn't really do. It didn't bring <laughs> anything new to the mythos. It didn't it ask these crazy questions or make me excited about anything. Like it was. Yeah. It's kind of a, like a procedural for two thirds of it, which I'm into that. I Sounds love. Good. Yeah. But, but I guess the, the thing that stood out to me while I was watching it is that I like my mysteries to be solvable or nearly solvable by me. And they're not. It's more like he's like, oh, this person says that that guy might know something. So I'm going to beat on that guy till he tells me to go talk to this guy. You know, like there's other than the riddles, there's really not a lot where you could be like, oh, I, I, you don't have any enough dots to connect without beating somebody up. And I think that like kind of similar to licorice pizza, which I did like, I can't remember if you saw that. The what? Licorice pizza. Not yet. I want to. Well, in that, like, to make a point about the way certain things interact between people, they kind of have a thing happen and then have them interact with each other and then kind of end up at the same spot. You know, mm -hmm. like, uh, they like each other and then they don't like each other, but they have to solve a problem together and they're a good team. And, like, that right. thing happens, like, six times. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I get that you're trying to like make a point without saying it, but I think you could have made that point without, like you could have done it like three instances of that repetitive type of thing rather than six. Maybe I think combine that, it with another scene. Yeah. Or, but I, and like the Batman one was like, well, we got to go talk to this guy about this. And it's like, okay, well, at some point, maybe we could just cut a couple of those guys out and just yeah. say like the second guy got us to the fifth guy instead of going from two to three, three to four and four to five we kind of knew yeah and like i just, did just because of who's in the story you know who's who's a shitty person right and i did really like that it leaned and explored so much the crime families of gotham which i think is a really mm -hmm. important part of batman but i think you can also get lost in that i think it yeah. you know anyway it was good yeah, i think I like it's that. probably top three batman films like you know dark knight dark and then probably batman returns and that one are probably my favorites yeah i had to I would like to see a Batman franchise just kicked it, kick in the door with the Joker right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Why not? And did it in 89. Yeah. And then what? <laughs> right. Nope. Well, they give nope. you the teaser of him at the end of nope. this. <laughs> yeah. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. I was, I was hoping Rome, and this, this is, this is going to be probably a, a ridiculous type of spoiler because it's all based on my hopes and dreams, but I was hoping it would be revealed at the end that Paul Dano was actually the Joker. Mm -hmm. the time. Um, yeah. He plays the Riddler. Yeah, and the the yeah, I, I like the social commentary at the end. The the whole denouement was was pretty interesting. I thought where he hires all the Canadian truckers to help him out. <laughs> Freedom gone, boy. <laughs> I am looking forward to seeing it again. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, that's not the only time I've seen it, dude. I started. 
I mean, our tickets are 1130 tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in, sweet. baby. All right. I haven't been drunk before noon in a long ass time. Mm, since <laughs> uh, this weekend. <laughs> yeah. I I sat there in the center of my favorite seat and started like I got super excited when we got on the roller coaster and the big popcorns happened. Mm-hmm. Like like I was smiling bigger than I've smiled in weeks. I was and then oh. I saw the Jurassic Park trailer. Okay. And when she turns around and sees Sam Neill, I started crying for no fucking reason. I don't even care that much about that movie, but I was like, oh God, it's Indian Marion. Like that trailer Sam just hit. Neil is Sam Neill is Sam Neill, like he's got the hat. He's the oh, okay, rugged okay, adventurer okay, 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 archaeologist, okay, okay. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't get the Jurassic Park trailer on my screening. Oh, it's just got it's got what's her name looking at what's his name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just like exactly from my childhood and the way she turns around when she sees him is it just it like that sparked it and then just every scene in that trailer from then on, I was like, Oh, and then and then that's the and and that's when they <laughs> and you guys can sorry you guys can do your oh i didn't want I, I, I didn't want to follow though keep watching the skies that's such sorry, a great sorry, sorry 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 <laughs> um this has been really fun everyone see you next time that's roman <laughs> and i was wondering oh, oh, no, oh, oh god <laughs> keep watching the skies